This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic and you're listening to another episode here on the Mindful Experiment. This week, I had such a great time chatting with Eileen Smith. She's into somatic healing and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But it was such a great connection. She has just a wonderful soul doing some amazing things for helping people heal and get moving beyond trauma and so much more, which is also the title of her book. But with this, you know, to tell you a little bit about who Eileen is, Eileen Smith is a somatic experiencing practitioner, short for SEP or SEP, whose work is rooted in the principles of attachment theory and Eastern philosophies. She integrates several modalities into her practice, including talking, touch work, and movement to help her clients develop deeper and safer relationships within and increase capacities for resilience and joy. Eileen is the author of Moving Beyond Trauma, The Roadmap to Healing from Your Past and Living with Ease and Vitality, an Amazon bestseller that shows readers how to bring the body into trauma healing process. Her writing on psychology and wellness has appeared in Mind Body, Green, Spirituality, and Health, Psych Central, Project Heal, and Brooke Burke's Modern Mom. She holds master's degrees in mental health counseling and exercise physiology, is a certified professional coach through the Grow Training Institute, and completed the three-year training program with the Somatic Experience Institute founded by Peter Levine. 
In addition to her private practice, Eileen offers workshops on trauma healing and ducks research on somatic experiencing for eating disorder treatments. She makes her home in Arizona and loves to travel, collect art, cycle, and practice yoga in her spare time. We had a great conversation. We got into some aspects of healing, neurodevelopment, and some other fun stuff. And I just really believe this is going to be an episode that's really going to help you to move beyond trauma, break through some of the understand myths of understanding of grief and other things like that to really help you level up and so much more. So without any further ado, here is Eileen Smith. Eileen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited to have you on. I love what you do. I love what you're up to. Even before we jumped on, we were already starting to gel and I was like holding myself back here with questions. So uh, I'm excited to dive in. And before we get into the um, some of the stuff we're going to chat about, um, can you share a little bit of your story, your journey, uh, how you got to where you are today? Um, we only have 30, 30, 40 minutes for this. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's always a tough question. It's like, where do I start? Okay. So uh, for your listeners, I'm a somatic experience practitioner. And I went back to school in my early 40s to get a master's in mental health counseling. And when I was doing my internship, I was, I was working in an eating disorder clinic. And I was introduced to somatic work. So the short answer to what somatic experiencing is, it's a body-based therapeutic modality that helps release trauma from the body. And what I learned at the eating disorder clinic is that there, I'd have not, I've never saw an eating disorder patient that didn't have a history of trauma. And it, that kind of goes for most mental health issues that there's got to be some trauma that's locked in the body. So I, I kind of got onto the somatic work at the eating disorder clinic. And then I went and I took Peter Levine's three-year training in somatic experiencing. And what, as I was going through the training, I started using some of these techniques with, with my clients. And I could not believe how effective it was. I personally, as a, as a student of the work, I also became a patient of the work and it was life-changing because I had been in talk therapy for most of my adult life. And I was always, I started asking myself this question. If I know all of the, I know all my issues, I understand what they are. I know what my triggers are. I know what my behaviors are. I'm like, why am I still doing that? Yes. It got better over time. And I think that was just an evolution of my own healing, but I just, I was like, there has to be more to this. And when I got to the somatic work, that was the missing link. So, because top, because talk therapies are what we call top down. We're working with the neocortex, which is the highest, most executive part of the brain. Bottom up therapies like somatic experiencing work with the most primitive instincts in the body. And that's the language of trauma because the language of trauma is, is lower, is the lower part of the brain where the brainstem is. And, and we call it, we also call it the reptilian brain. And that is um, the, the reptilian brain only knows sensation. So we have to work with the body sensations to release the trauma from the body and build a, uh, build the body more as a safe container. So that's how I got into the work. And it's, um, it's been, it's since then, it's, it's just been, it's really been a journey of, of healing personally and, and helping other people heal other people heal. It's early here. Sorry. Yeah, you're fine. 
it's one of those things. I love, I love the story too, because like, I love how you brought, you know, I, I learned to work and I became a patient of it and it's, and that's how I became a chiropractor. I was a patient first and then blown away by what it did for me. And then I decided to choose to become a chiropractor, but you know, and then my background has energy medicine and I love the stuff on what you're talking about here on healing and different modalities, how the body stores things and, and whatnot. And then when you started talking brain stuff, I'm like, Oh my goodness, I can go all day with you on this. I love this part of it. Uh, but <clears throat> when it comes to, the trauma side, is it one of those things where, because yeah, it's the reptilian brain, it's our survival, it's our protection mechanism. It's, I always joke around and I say, yeah, you're going back to being a primate. And they're like, people mm-hmm. look at me, like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, that's, that's pretty much what it is. Your, 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 your survival instincts come out. You're all in protection and just how do I survive? Is it, is it one of those things? I, it's funny how I'm like, doing all the, all the, I'm, I'm, I'm watching you go. <laughs> I'm thinking about like, totally awesome. I'm really into that. Yeah. Uh, but is it one of those things that you said you have to, it's all about a feeling side. You have to, it, this is where we come from. Is it where you, is it the brain like alerts us, like anything that relates to trauma to where it's the point where we're like, Oh my God, it, it's that stored memory. And then all of a sudden knee jerk reaction kicks in. And then here comes the, the survival mechanism of that is it kind of, yeah, well, I, lo- I, I love the way you're explaining it. So I, I, I unpack it this way. When we've had an experience that's been traumatic, traumatic, and let's first define what trauma is. Trauma is not about an event. It's the energy that gets locked in your body and rea- around real or perceived threat, which explains why 10 people can have the same experience and have 10 different reactions. And so how traumatic an event is for a person has everything to do with how resilient you felt going into the event. So how strong your, I just say how strong your nervous system is or how much, how much, um, yeah, how resilient it is. Um, how, um, you know, part of it is genetics, right? And then it's the other pieces, how soon we feel safe in the aftermath of the experience. And then your ability in the experience to be able to defend yourself. So if you can't defend yourself, that's where the trauma energy, that stored energy gets locked in your body. So, um, so the piece is that when we've had a traumatic experience, that fight, flight, or physio- flight, fight, or freeze physiology that we try to use during the experience gets stuck in the on position. And it's almost as though our nervous system gets hijacked. And when that happens, because trauma has no sense of space or time, in the present moment, something might trigger you. Somebody says something the wrong way. Your your body, not your brain necessarily, because right, it happens so fast. Your body actually believes it's back in that threat situation that you were in way back. And so that's why that's why, you know, sometimes you have an exchange with someone and they react a certain way or, and you're just like, what just happened? Or you're in an experience and you have this knee jerk reaction and you're like, oh my God, what did I just do? So that's, that's the trauma response. That's what, that's that energy locked in the body. I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing how that works is like, I, even working with patients, I had a technology I used called heart rate variability, um, which is now getting well, it's starting to get known in the public more, but it was one of those things where I would always be fascinated because with chiropractic, we work on the, the parasympathetic side of the nervous system, the, or I call it the brake pedal. 
And uh, we're building that up. We're building, as you were saying, like the resiliency, I call it, I say, I'm going to help you be more resilient to stress by building your reserve so that like if you have a stressful time, you'll minimize it a little bit, but you have reserves. You have enough. It's like like money in a savings account. You have a surprise debt. There were a surprise bill that comes up. Yeah, you're upset. You have to pull from your savings, but you have so much savings there. No worries. You're, you're good to go. But it was always fascinating for me um, because there was times where, you know, six months into care, three to six months into care. Well, I would go more six months to a year. Um, their heart rate ability would get more balanced, but we weren't mm-hmm. getting to where it needed to go. And I would always look and go, there's something, there's something automatically being fired here, something outside of my realm. And we looked at other things too, along the way, like nutrition, I wanted to rule other things out. And then it would always be like, my gut would tell me it's an emotional thing or something trapped in the body that they won't, won't release. Um, Cause I've done different techniques, like the emotional code, uh, the reconnection, I've done other variety of techniques in the chiropractic realm that help with kind of this, like releasing this stuff out if we can. Um, to help that body th- thrive in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I love how you brought up explain trauma because we think of it in so many different ways. And, and that was just really, really a great way to simplify that to, it made it, it was easier for me to grasp. Like, yeah, that's exactly, that's trauma. Okay, Thank that makes you. a lot of sense. How is it then, do we go, you know, is there ways, you know, the need, are there clues? Like, let's say someone's listening to this and they're going, this is great. I love what you're talking about, Aline. Oh my God, I, I, this is me. But how can someone be aware or can they, um, or are there tools or something to help them be aware to know that they have that built in? Or are there signs to know that we have some sort of trauma that we need to work on or something along those lines? That's a great question and an important question, I think, that we need to share. So if you, most of the time, if you are not feeling like something's right in your life, and you can't, and so maybe you have a loss of confidence, there's irritability, you find yourself over underreacting to situations, you, um, you don't have a sense of hope, um, you've lost confidence, you don't feel connected, you feel isolated. I can keep going, by the way. <laughs> um, but those things where you're not feeling like you're living your life fully and you don't feel connected and you don't feel like connectivity is of value. A lot of times people that have had a lot of trauma, I don't like people I hear these things. I don't like people, um, you know, because what, what's really happening is they're sensing danger when danger may not be present. So all of those things are signs. And if you're, um, I just throw this out there to your readers, if, and I, we can put this in the show notes. I actually, I wrote a book called moving beyond trauma and one of the things I've done for the reader is I developed, I developed a series of assessments for the reader to start piecing together how their nervous system is functioning. But the first assessment that I did was called a trauma sensitivity scale. And the trauma sensitivity scale is not how traumatized are you. It's to what degree is your past traumas impacting your life today? And and, and the questions are pretty straightforward. And I think it really helps you get an idea of where you are in that, you know, how, to what degree are, is it, are you being impacted? And then I think you have to make a decision. What do you want to do about it? Because, because healing is possible at any level. It's just, if then at a certain point, it becomes a choice about what you want to do. I love that. And that's, you know, that's, that's, um, 
some good stuff here because I think awareness, and I say this a lot, awareness is the is 50% of solving the problem, at least, because once you're aware, now it's like, oh, this is what that is, or this is that feeling, or this right. is that something. And well, then- if, you, if, you, if you name it, you can work with it. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that your nervous system is going to know what to do with it, but the first piece is being able to observe. Because observance, when we can observe, we can then be present, present with the experience. And, and so the work in somatic experiencing would be then to bring the body into the healing pro- into the process. And this is, this is the healing has to happen at an embodied level. And so we start working with the body sensations, right? That reptilian brain to start becoming more comfortable and gaining more capacity to be able to be with our actual physical sensations in our body. And that's how we build, we build body resilience. I think that's so critical too, because we, I, I say this often, we're like, we're in a society that we are the most connected we ever been, but we are the most disconnected we are with ourselves and with our body primarily, because we don't, we don't live in it. We, we're, we're, it's, I kind of say we don't live in it. And people are like, what do you mean by that? This is my body. I don't get what you mean by that. I'm like, you're not, I go, you don't sense, you don't feel, you don't use it as a tool. You don't allow it to be something that you can utilize. We just treat it like a whatever and just kind of keep doing it and abusing it and challenge, you know, just constantly yeah. wearing it down and not realizing that there's, there's, there's technology built into us to where, we're, and I just call it not like a computer technology, but, um, but there's, 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 there's ways we can utilize it to help us give us a wealth of information. Do you, do you, you know, have you heard of the word interoception? Yes. Okay. So for your listeners, interoception is how you sense your body from the inside out. And so how you, te- how you take in all information. So, and what, how you feel all the, um, your body systems functioning. So heat and digestion. And when we, when there's been a trauma history, the ability to sense your body accurately often becomes, um, it's, it's, you're either become hypersensitive, like too sensitive. So you sense everything at a, at a very high level, or you don't feel anything at all. So like the perfect example of this is, oh, I have a really high pain tolerance. So that to me is ding, 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 ding. Okay. There's a trauma history here. If you are, if you can't feel yourself bleeding or, you know, if you cut yourself um, or, you know, you, you banged your foot and you, you know, you barely feel it, that tells us something. If you feel the body too much, that also gives us more information. And so part of that work, I think in the embodiment is to create is, is to learn how to, to get into that interoceptive piece and have, and create more accuracy there. Cause that, that's partly what regulates the nervous system. So much. Yeah. And I love how you brought up the pain thing. Cause I was like ready to, I was ready to bring that on. And then you said it, I was like, yes. Um, <laughs> Cause it's one of those things where <clears throat> even my journey, I I've, I've had a very, very high pain tolerance. Um, mm. Just you know, people are like, is this tender? I'm like, I don't know what tender means. Uh, it's either it's, it's this or it's that. And, um, and then I started doing emotional healing and emotional work. And I remember, I'll never forget, I was working with someone and they looked at me and they said, you had a very traumatic childhood. And I looked and I go, traumatic childhood. I didn't have a traumatic childhood. I go, yeah, there was things, but I mean, you, and she's like, and she was just like, just, she goes, you know, it already. She's like, she was very spiritual based too. So she's like Mm -hmm. an energy based. So she's like, you already know it. I could feel it off you. She's like, just, just sit with it. You'll see what I mean. 
And all of a sudden I started one day, I was like, okay, like, like about three weeks later, I'm like, you know what? I got to stop reading resistance to this. I'm going to sit in a meditation and I'm just going to really get into my body. And all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden I just had like a, a film flashing in my yeah. head and I was like, Oh crap. Now here's the interesting part I wanted to bring up about this. My pain tolerance isn't as high as it used to be anymore. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise. But don't you see, I, I would imagine in your work too, that I was curious about this piece. When you start working with someone and, and you, you start helping them develop more embodiment, because that's part of what you do as a chiropractor, correct? Yep, totally. Yep. So don't do you, I would imagine you get people on your table and you do some work with them and you're adjusting them or however you work. And there's a lot of times there's these emotional releases. There can be, it, you know, <clears throat> I've had patients where I get up in an adjustment and they're just tearing all over the place. And, and sometimes it may not happen, then it'll happen later or, but it doesn't always, but right. there are times where it does. And a lot of times I would educate, I share with my patients, like, I'm going to help you create more brain body awareness. And so you're going to learn to get, cause sometimes they get, you know, you hear this in chiropractic. I start getting adjusted and then there's more things coming up. And I'm like, yeah, that's called awareness. You're waking up the brain to be more aware because what the brain does is anytime you have an issue in the body anywhere, if there's, if it's an imbalance, microinflammation, whatever that may be, the brain actually turns it off. So it's like, Hey, survival, this is, right? it's, it's a survival, survival. because yeah. it's, it's an annoyance that the brain is hearing all the time, right? It's not really hearing, but it's a signal that goes to the brain and the brain's like, we got too much going on. So you know what? We're going to turn that off and that's it. And I always tell people, if you ever had a massage and they press on an area, you're like, oh, I didn't know that was there. That's that's a lack of brain awareness because the, it, there's there's an issue there. It's an annoyance to the brain. So the brain doesn't want to waste the energy. It keeps sending signals. So it turns it off and they'll do that in many different ways. Well, is it so here's my question. Is it the brain or the body brain? That's a great question. That's mm -hmm. um, right. I think the body doesn't lie. The body sends the signal, right? So it's sending that signal and then the brain's going to check. And then if it's not being addressed or if it's not a major alert, because it's like, is this something of a major threat? Nope, not a major threat to health or the person. After a while, it's going to say, okay, turn that off. So yeah, I would say the, the body does it first and then the brain makes the choice if it's going to continue to exist or not. I hope you've been enjoying this amazing episode. Here is a quick word from our sponsor. Welcome to How to Tickle Yourself. I'm your host, Duff McDonald. And I'm your co-host, Matt McButter. We'll be talking to people who specialize in different ways of inhabiting their own consciousness, from artists to yoga teachers to scientists. We've even got a professional magician. We're going to ask them questions like, what is consciousness? Why does it tickle? And what is magic anyway? Is it just card tricks? Or is it the fact that your little speck of consciousness is part of a perfect possibility machine? Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at storicmedia.com. All right. Information. You can find out more about this in the show notes. Make sure to check that out. But now let's go ahead and let's get back to the show. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating, right? How, how interconnected all the systems are in our body. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. This is what, like in the beginning of my career with chiropractic, I was so interested into energy and how it got stored and how the 
the the cell the um, I'm going blank here. The cellular wall? No, we don't have cell walls. Uh, but the 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 oh my god, I'm, I'm going blank. Uh, um, the but the area around. Oh my god, I'm the cell. I can't. The mitoc- blank. Not the mitochondria. They're made um, out of phospholipids. I mean, I know what they're made oh out god. of. I just I can see them. I can see the. Yeah, diagram. but you know, so it's they that like that can hold memory, and the other things can hold memory, and I, and I I got I got embraced in that, exposed to that early on, and like in the first year of my my chiropractic experience, and I was just like. Man, you know, in chiropractic, we talk about 80% of the time, mental, emotional stressors is what causes um, uh, the, the reason why, you know, what we call a subluxation is, is what we're doing in an adjustment. And I was like, that's what we need to learn more because we can't that we, you know, the physical, eh, that's easy. That's, you know, that's, that's, you know, 10% of the time. So that's an easy thing for chiropractors to do. And that's what the, you know, mainstream thinks of us as back pain, neck pain and, and uh, um, headaches. And, but then I'm like, there's that 80% component. Why aren't we looking there? And that's what kind of addressed me, got me interested more into wanting to understand the emotions, understanding how it plays a role in the body. How does it affect our, our genes? How does it affect perception? How does it affect, you know, X, Y, Z? So, 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 so the piece of the energy medicine, I'm kind of curious about that. Cause I'm, I just started studying, um, I started studying to be a shaman. Ooh, I'm, I'm, fa- yes. I'm, fascinated, I'm fascinated by this energy medicine and the me- and what they call the medicine wheel yeah. so, because it's like, it's, it's a whole other perspective on it, but it's, it really, it really, you really learn the, that, that energy is really working and moving through the body at, at all levels. When you think about health and disease, and you can do this in any aspect of your life, my journey started with health and disease, but now I do it on every aspect where it comes to mindset. Stagnant energy is going to create disease. Flowing energy is going to create health. And it's just, and and you can turn that around and say, well, okay, high vibration creates health, low vibration creates disease. Now, I'm not saying that since you're in a low vibration, you're going to have a disease. It has to be a long, continual process of that. And so um, that's where my, my understanding when I was studying, because I studied like 12 different energy uh, modalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of them were like chiropractic only, like the only shirt right. with chiropractors. Like I can go in and delete a file in the brain that takes away the whole entire mm-hmm. stressor of why it's existing in the nervous system. Oh, that's so cool. It's fascinating stuff. Um, but there's so many, what I learned, the reason why I stopped getting into it more like after 12 was because I'm like, wait a minute, this is all energy at the end of the day. Yeah, it's just we, what method or modality do you like or you want to choose that's going to serve in, in, in the patient and get to yeah. that end result, and that's kind of made that shift. Well, it's it, I just there's something you said that that kind of stuck with me there um, about you know about having all this emotional stressors in your life and what it can do to you physically and emotionally. And I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming you're familiar with the ACE studies, the Adverse Childhood Experience studies. Mm-hmm. So they, so for your listeners, they uh, surveyed, I think over 20,000 people and what they, and they asked a series of questions about adverse childhood experiences. So abuse, neglect, you know, the bottom line is how safe you actually were as a child. And what they learned is that the more, the higher you scored on the questionnaire, the more mental and physical issues you had in as adult, I had as an adult. And I think it's really an important point that we, we call this, we call attention to this because, you know, if you had a stressful childhood and you're living in your adult life and something doesn't feel right, and you're having all sorts of physical issues, and maybe nobody can figure out what they are, or one thing happens after the other, that you really need to address the emotional component of what's going on there, because that will help you heal. 
I love how you bring this up because it's also, um, you know, again, I remember my spiritual teacher was like, how are you in such a very logical world with learning all the medical sciences and everything about the body, but yet you have such a vast spiritual side of you? Like you see things in a whole, she's like, I, I, I can't see how you flip back and forth. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I'm like, I, I can't take credit for that. I go, that sounds great. Thank you for the observation. I go, that doesn't mean anything to me, but, but one of the things that you were, you were sharing that I, I found fascinating was like in my, my, uh, some of the energy techniques that would show me like a, a grapefruit sized tumor in somebody. And so if anyone has a tumor, they're going to get it removed. You when they first find it, then the day of they're going to do the surgery, they'll check again to know exactly all their measurements, right. To know what, the, where it's at, the depth and everything. And they were showing after images, no surgery, no nothing, just they got energy work and they broke through the energy process. It wouldn't be there anymore. Mm-hmm. And of course the medical establishment will say, Oh, we, that was a misdiagnosis. And it's like, hold on, that, that that's not a misdiagnosis. There is, it was there. I mean, you can't miss it. And then it's not there. And it's a grapefruit size. I mean, it's not like a, a pea or something. You might've just thought it was something and it wasn't. No, a grapefruit, you can't miss that. And it, this is what you're bringing up is the power of releasing these, these emotions. And once you do like, for example, women who have breast cancer, most of the time have a blocked heart chakra and there's usually some repressed emotions tied in that can be from most of the time from childhood. A lot of my training is in, uh, I'm, I was a pediatric chiropractor. So, um, I not only studied pediatrics, but we also studied something called imprints in the womb and wow. how the brain is developing in the womb. Personality develops actually in the womb, not outside, like we thought. And, but we looked at like different things about like for, um, when children came, like why, you know, certain attributes was, I don't remember off the top of my head, but like if somebody was born C-section, there's a whole list of things that can show up. And it was fascinating. When I learned it, I was taking my, getting ready for my exam to get certified. And I had a patient who had a C-section and there was this thing. She used to tell me a couple of things that were coming up in her life. And I said, Hey, do you have all these other things? And she's like, I have like five out of the seven. She's like, how do you know that? I was like, this is some fascinating things that are beyond my realm, but I use it in my mindset coaching uh, sometimes because I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm always unraveling. And I think that's a, um, uh, just tying that all together to what you said and how important it is that we, you know, addressing these emotions. And for the listeners, it is critical to get this kind of work done to really, um, you know, these, these, these emotional things, they get stored. It creates havoc. Yeah. Well, I, I want to add something to what you're sharing about in utero because, um, you know, you're telling about the brain developing, but the nervous system really is impacted by what's happening with the mom. So if the mom is filled with stress hormones, the baby gets those stress hormones and something in in this piece about the C-section, right? Is that something as simple as a baby pushing off the vaginal walls is a regulation for the nervous system. So when they when there's a C-section, they don't get to have that biological completion of birth. I mean, when they go through the vaginal wall, it actually yeah. stimulates the sympathetic nervous system yeah. to activate the survival mechanisms so they can go ahead and start. And then there's I love also, the way you just explained that, by the way. And then you look at it again, too, and you look at I'm a big component for like uh, women and birth and natural birth and pregnancies. I, I, I get so frustrated. That's that's one of the, that's that, this that's is a whole other podcast. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. But no, but it's one of even looking at just the microbiome, the gut and how the gut yes. develops. It's the first intaking of 
the, the bacteria that lines their gut that starts to create the good seeds and foundation to cultivate. Now, obviously, mom has to have a good gut and a good vaginal dysbi- uh, a bio- or bacteria in there to, to allow for the, the chain of command. But there's so much, I mean, you're bringing up just the stress hormones. They done, do you ever hear the studies they did with uh, Nazi World War II? Uh, they're right towards the end of uh, the World War II. People who are in the camp, women who are in the camps, they're like seven, six, seven months pregnant. Uh, and then they looked at the children that were born and so forth. No, I don't, I don't know these studies, but tell me. Definitely look into it. Um, and it was one of those studies they looked and they've done this multiple times um, after that, but they were looking at like the children's stress responses and looking at how were they stressed? What were their fears? What were they worried about? And it was fascinating because the women who had babies during uh, the World War or just at the end of World War II, those children had higher levels of all these different types of stress aspects that were going on. Um, and in our world, we were looking at like, okay, what about COVID? right? COVID babies and seeing how, because everybody's worrying about a pandemic and freaking out. And that was another thing we haven't, there, there's, there's, there's things that are going on right now, but we won't have that information probably for another three to five years. Uh, but I'm assuming it'll be very similar to uh, those, but like looking at where mom is, what's her well being, how much stress response hormones and all that are firing um, because that's prepping baby for the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I think we already know what the results are going to be from COVID. <laughs> oh, wait, as soon as I, as soon as this happened, I was sitting there and I was like, when the first lockdown happened, I said, okay, who's going to be my first COVID baby that I'm going to be working with? And then it came in uh, about three, three months later, because we started having uh, moms are having given birth and stuff. And I was just like, man, I'm, I'm curious to see. And I was trying to track as much data as I can to see like, you know, these kids, some of these kids were coming out and they were coming out more and more stressed. You know, and it was just interesting. And again, these are just a small sample study, but it was one of the things I was looking at from the HRV side. And I'm just like, kids being bored and they're bottom left, which means exhausted, being burned out, fatigued, and and just all these, they have no, they don't have a lot of reserves to be resilient to stress and adapt well. And so it was just fascinating for me. Uh, But I saw that before too. So it's not like it was just during the COVID, but I saw more of it during, during the COVID process. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. Um, one thing I wanted to make sure I touch base on, cause I thought this was, I love how you were explaining this before we got on and the aspect of grief, um, mm. because grief is looked at in so many different ways. And, and, uh, uh, we think of it in one way, but I, I love how you explained it a little bit. And I love to just dive into that. Um, uh, what is grief? Um, how we have to look at it differently and so much more. Sure. So we often think of grief as somebody died. And yes, that is grief, but grief can be many, many, many things. Grief can be a breakup. Grief can be any sort of life transition. Grief can be having to mourn your past, your childhood, you know, a relationship, all the, and it can be so many different things. And when we've experienced grief on any level, our, we're a little, we become a little bit disoriented because our, our landmarks, our familiar landmarks of the world have now changed. So we have to learn how to reorient ourselves to this new landscape. And you know, I think a big, a big component of, of being able to move, move through grief is really, is there's several components, but one big piece is be, building enough safety within your own system to be able to face your fears. And when I talk about fears, I'm talking about those deep, dark conversations that you're only willing to have with yourself. And then because when we can actually name them and name them and actually have a witness to them, we can start working with them. 
And then, and then at that point, we, when we start working with them, we can take action. I, and I just share a little, little story about myself. I had so much, I've had a lot of grief in my life. And my last, let's just call big grief was I lost, I actually lost my husband very suddenly, unexpectedly six years ago. And I had, you know, I had to face, I had to face in that process. I had, I mean, there was a lot for me to let go of. And I also had to face my biggest fears. And, and I, I was open. I was honest about them. I made sure I had empathic witnesses to them. And I slowly over the last six years have chipped away at all of those fears. And, you know, one of my fears was I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have the big life I had with my husband. And here I am six years later, and I, I really worked with that piece of fear. And I, I, I acknowledge it. I was with it. I felt the pain and discomfort of it. And then it was my choice to start creating all this, take action and really manifest what I want. But I don't believe you can manifest what you want until, until you embody your fear and work with it. I think it's a really big piece that we miss. Like people talk about, oh, you can manifest anything. Well, you really can't. If you're, if the fear is fear, energy is blocking. So, so fear, fear can be fear. Fear is, is I think our biggest um, obstacle to getting what, our, what we want. I, I couldn't agree with you more, right? If you just, if you look at the two emotions that exist in the world is love and fear, and then everything else just a stem from that. Um, love is the creation of all things and, and fear is the, the stagnation of all things. So it's like, yes. I usually say like fear is your dream killer. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and if you think about like we were talking about earlier today, like when you look at everything's energy, right? So high vibration creates more of <laughs> yep. what you like, right? Low vibration doesn't. And fear is going to be that lower stagnant vibration on all that. Um, I love one thing you brought up, and and and, and I just love when people bring this up when you talk about you have to name it. Yeah. Why is, is is I think you mentioned this earlier, but why is naming and label putting a label or naming it so important in the process? Well, I think I, I, there's a couple of reasons. I think, first of all, if we name it and we acknowledge it, it loses a bit of its charge, right? So for example, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to scale my business. And for the last couple of years, what I didn't want to name is my fear of speaking publicly, which you probably find is a joke because I'm really good on a podcast. And I finally had to, I had to step and say, this is a problem. This is getting in my way. I'm, it's paralyzing me from moving forward. And people that I shared this with were like, what? You're scared of public speaking? And I started working with it. I said, okay, this is a problem. Okay. Like, like we, I've never met a problem that gets better by ignoring it. Okay. And that's the bit, that's the big thing. So I started working with it. I started acknowledging it. I started going to Toastmasters. I started talking, I'd go out for dinner and I started talking about this issue. And in that process, you know, amazing things happened. I was out for dinner with a neighbor of mine who's spoken all over the world and, and he started coaching me and boom, I had a breakthrough and everything shifted for me. But if I didn't name it and I didn't bring in what I needed to heal it, because that's what naming it does. It, if you if you really are embodying it and you're with it, it will allow you, it will bring in what you want to help you heal it if you choose. You have to call it in. So that's why I think I think naming it is is the, for several reasons is important. I love that because I, I love the naming side because you kind of like 
when we think of things and when we're in our head and all that, we make it all like, this is me. This is all about me. This is all that aspect. And then when we label it, we put a name on it. I think there's just a slight little separation of like, that's not that that's this. Or, um, and I, I like when I have like my inner critic firing, I call it stinking thinking. I, that's yeah. just the way I like. I, it's just some people are like, you didn't give it a name. I'm like, well, that's a name per se. I just, one day I was just like, oh, this freaking stinking thinking. I'm tired of it. And I was like, stinking thinking i'm that's got a little yeah. rhyme to i'm gonna hold on but it, i think it allowed me then to know that that's not me right yeah and well that's that part of it is so important that it's not you okay so like the pieces of us that have fear i like to see them as they're not we're they're not us they're broken off unhealed pieces of us like my fear around speaking that's not me that's, that's a little girl inside of me. That's like, I don't have anything important to say. Nobody's listening to me. You know, I'm not relevant. Right. So that's a broken off unhealed piece of me that I am now willing to heal. And that's, that's a, such a valuable thing. Right. So we don't have to, we don't have to be, we don't have to identify our, ourselves as the thing that we don't like just part of, it's just a piece of us fragmented, broken off, traumatized. Yes. I love it. I love how you look, you know, you're like, here's where it came from. This is why this is there. And then you're just like, okay, I can, let's, let's, let's change that and move on. Yeah. Let's work with it. I think that's beautiful. And I think this is a good point to where, you know, I could talk to you all day. There's so many things I could have gone deeper into, but um, how can people connect with you, find you, get your book, all that good stuff. Okay, so uh, easiest way to find me is Instagram, and it's Eileen Smith Healing, and Eileen is I-L-E-N-E Smith, S-M-I-T-H Healing, or my website, which is EileenSmith.com, or you can buy my book, Moving Beyond Trauma, which is on Amazon. So I'm glad you got over the fear of speaking, public speaking and all that. (laughs) The people need this kind of information out there. Uh, It's different thinking than what's kind of been told over the, you know, constantly over the time. So, um, but I appreciate you taking the time to join us, be with us here and share your wonderful wisdom, your gifts, your journey and all that wonderful things. Um, Thanks for doing what you do. Great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. Until next time, keep rocking and rolling.